0: thought that there would be dog
1: buns hello oh hi merlin good morning dan how are you i'm feeling better finally you sound, you sound, sound a little stuffy still uh, a little maybe oh
0: man i'm glad you're feeling better i feel better
1: how about you you sound you sound amazing
0: oh it's the most wonderful time of the year i turned everything all the way off and back on i got a coffee from down the street and i'm, I'm good to go
1: Nice. Well, so listen, uh, are you recording a a backup of of your end today? I'm always recording ABC. ABC. Because uh, I have, I don't know if this is maybe too inside baseball, Mm. but I have a very interesting way that we can attempt to improve the Skype situation. We can talk about it in the after dark. It'd be a perfect Mm. little after dark discussion to have. I'd really enjoy that. Me too. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to do it about this. Do it. I don't care. Toot, to, toot it toot, out. Toot, 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 toot. You know this is our sesquicentennial show. <laughs> I know. I mean, they, can you believe it? Because there were a lot of people who were saying they, you know, only thought that we'd do like three episodes. I don't
0: think there were a lot of people. I think you said that. Okay. And there, there were some, definitely some people. I don't know. It seems, it seems like it's hard to put a number on. Yeah. Yeah. Age yeah. is just a number. Mm. No, this is nice. Congratulations on making it this far. Yeah. Well, to you too.
1: I feel like you deserve uh, some of that. Credit. Th-
0: thank you, Dan. I uh, I don't think I've showed up 150 times for anything. Appearances in court. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? Hmm? Um, so it's been a good week here. Uh, how about you? I, you know, I heard about the traffic in Austin. Is it, is it, I should tell people I was listening to morning edition on the radio this right. morning and they said that the traffic is bad in Austin. Is that true?
1: Ah, yeah, it is bad. I, and you sent me a link to it and it's said the title is it's on NPR and it says even an 85 mile per hour highway can't fix Austin's traffic triangle.
0: Cause the bypass, it's too far away. Nobody uses it. No, I don't use that. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too fast. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> You can go 85 miles an hour legally on a
1: road, and you don't take it all the time. (laughs) I've been on it, and I've gone faster than 85 on it, too. Mm. I know it. I hate traffic, man. It
0: makes me crazy. It really brings out the worst in me, to be in in traffic. Well, lucky
1: for you, you can walk everywhere you need to go. Walk to Ev's house, walk to Mm -hmm. the the farmer's market. I think Ev bought a meteorite.
0: He bought a medium meteorite that he lives (laughs) on now. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten invited there. No. Well, no. I mean, probably got lost. You know, I don't get my mail. So, um, <laughs> right, right. We just don't get our <laughs> mail. We get a flyer from Safeway, and uh, we get some charity stuff. But anything that's actual mail, we don't get. All right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And we used to get our mail earlier. Our mail arrives very. late. Li- I think the postal service is not doing well right now.
1: The band. No, like they they I don't haven't had enough. a single in years. Hmm. hmm. Hmm.
0: I uh am uh I used to have to drive, you know, because I used to live in Florida. So I had to drive everywhere. And so that's that's where I learned to really dislike traffic. And the thing is, like some traffic you get used to. It becomes like a, you know, you gotta deal with occasional things where you got the rubbernecking and whatnot, but like it's that kind of serial traffic that makes me feel like i'm losing my mind like like when i used to have my dot com job down you know on the peninsula there would be these three spots on 280 where there would always be a traffic jam no matter what i think the
1: germans have written about this oh i'm not familiar with uh with the uh, the germans
0: well you but know I, the way that people drive is wrong the way that people drive is wrong there's this kind of like the selfish way the right side way. of the
1: road and the left the left side of the road
0: so what but you, could, you, could, <laughs> you can you can you um, can you can really muck stuff up though by doing that whole. The thing is, if everybody always, even if everybody turns out, even if everybody went like fifteen miles an hour, we wouldn't have traffic. The problem is that somebody goes like sixty miles an hour for a second, then they hit the brake lights, and the brake lights, I think, there as John Syracuse would say, is additive. It's geometric mm. in
1: nature, and that's how you get traffic jams. This is what the Germans say. I read it in translation. So uh, yeah, I, I did the same thing in Florida. And the thing that sucked about that was that you just knew, first of all, there, you can't go anywhere in Florida and this is true unless you live in downtown here, but you, there's no, there's nothing that you can walk to or even really ride a bike to in Florida. Right. You just can't, you've got to drive so that you know that you get that sick feeling in your stomach when you're like, Everything is thirty minutes away in a car or twenty. You know what I mean? Like you just, I want to yeah. go to Target. Twenty-five minutes. Oh, I need. Well, to... that, that
0: sounds that sounds like an exaggeration. It's except, not though. Well, uh, here and part. I think here's partly why is because there's always at least two traffic lights involved. Like even if uh, like two traffic lights where you can't phone it in. Like where you're really gonna have to wait four minutes to get out of your neighborhood, and then you might have to wait four minutes to get into the Walmart. Let alone what happens in between. Like there's a built-in inelastic amount of waiting in Florida traffic. Mm-hmm. But there's also cues. I mean, the, the, the huge cue obviously, is that there are roads everywhere to get to things. Things are built on those roads. But there's a much more subtle cue that I think is even more important, which is that there are
1: no sidewalks. Like, yeah, they don't it's want not, you... An, you're not supposed to walk. That's what people don't get. You're not supposed to walk there. They don't yeah. want you walking around.
0: It's really, really dangerous. When I was a kid, used to be time was, <laughs> my Morgan Freeman voice. Time was a little boy could ride his bicycle to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but but no, um, and this happened to me actually when we were. I think I to, told you the story before, but we were in New England a while back, and I, it was it seemed so simple. We were in a motel, and I wanted to get food for my family, and I checked on the on the Google Maps, and it was something like half a mile. Mm-hmm. Which here, you know, in a place with sidewalks and people who don't try to kill you with cars is, excuse me, is, is like half a mile here is hmm, safely 10 minutes. You give 10 minutes. And I walk a half mile to, to – well, I don't want to triangulate too much, but I do a lot of walking, so I know how long it should take to get somewhere. What I didn't know was I, – I, I know I told you this, but I had to literally walk on a highway to get there. Ugh. And this was – this is a highway like a wily e. Coyote kind of highway where like there's not even a shoulder. And so there were points where I had to run around a blind like almost 90-degree curve Ugh. in a tunnel with no sidewalk. I had to literally run <laughs> on a highway to, to get to a burger place. So it took me over an hour to walk to a burger place and then walk home with cold burgers. That's no way to live. No, I shouldn't complain. You know, it's just important to know what you're in for. I think in the same way, there are there probably are people who are not super duper wealthy
1: who moved into Manhattan with a car and think, oh, this will be fine. I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand how people uh, drive in a in like a real city.
0: Oh, uh, I experienced that the first time I, when I first was getting ready to move to San Francisco and I, I was still in temporary housing down in Mountain View, but I had a rental car and I would come up to the city. And one Sunday morning, I made the mistake of saying, Oh, I'll, I'll go downtown. I'll go to downtown to thriving downtown San Francisco <laughs> on a Sunday. But anyway, I, uh, so I did something seemingly simple, which is like I went onto Market Street, which is the diagonal street that's kind of the main drag through the, you know, the center of San Francisco okay. and uh, I got onto market street and if you can imagine a almost perfect diagonal line, you know, like lower left to upper right. And no matter what I did, and all you can do is right turns. All you can do is right turns. No matter what I did, I always ended up back on market street. I ended up making <laughs> two right turns over and over until I felt like I was in some kind of uh lysergic Philip glass song, you know, like, and no one's
1: there to help you. And all those people crossing the street, Uh, people they don't want to help you i mean that's that's very clear when you're in that city no people are not there to help
0: the only thing worse than a town that really helps people is a town that thinks they really help people and we've got that in spades here so how long does it take you i don't want to cause triangulation here but how long does it take you to go from your home to your studio generally how much time do you allow
1: for that usually what time of day
0: uh, you would, rush you hour hau- traffic
1: time or non-rush hour traffic time?
0: Well, I'm just gonna guess. You what, you
1: leave the house at like eight or nine? Uh, I usually leave the house at seven. Why? Well, so you can rob my house? Why? Hmm. Well, early in the morning. Return, it's early. return address here. But you've got. Um, so that's the beginning. <laughs> it's, it's of in rush, rush hour. hour. I'm in. I'm usually in rush hour traffic. I'm usually leaving by eight. Okay. And
0: how, how many, uh, don't tell me how many miles, but how long, is it, how long does that take for you to get to work?
1: In traffic, it would probably take about f- 15 minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, well, that's lovely. I've, I've arranged my life uh, as, as owner of a business. I get to determine where my office is, so I picked it in a place that was convenient. If there's no traffic, then it's like 10 minutes. Man, 20, 20 minutes with traffic, 10 minutes without traffic.
0: I, I don't – I hate – you know, Dan, I hate to be a hippie, but I think that completely changes your quality of life. Totally does. I mean if – I mean, obviously not everybody can pull that off. But, you know, like our friends in uh, Atlanta. Like in Atlanta, it just takes two hours to go everywhere. Oh, it's the
1: worst. Literally. It's the worst. <laughs> Literally. Unique, unique.
0: Uniquely literal. literal. I think this is why people like cars is because they have to drive.
1: You know – the thing I remember when I used to have in, uh, oh, and by the way, throw and in taking my kid to school in the morning, and oh. then you have a different, that, to get him to his school is more like 20, 25 minutes, and then from his school back to my office is like five minutes. So that doesn't make sense, but that's the flow of traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I used to commute, when I was working in downtown, and I lived uh, in, you remember Longwood? Do you ever spend time in central Florida. I this lived is near, a, This is near Orlando. I lived in Longwood, which is what we call a suburb. Uh, is that a euphemism? So I lived in Longwood and I used to drive from Longwood into downtown where the office was for the Selec startup that I worked in. And that would take easy 45 minutes. And it was about eight miles. And it was uh. absolutely, that was on I-4. And to me, like being in that traffic, that got me ready for the Austin traffic. But if, you, if you're not in rush hour in Austin, it, it's a breeze. And there really is like a rush hour, but the rush hour keeps moving earlier and earlier and earlier. When I moved here two years ago, or two and a half, whatever it was.
0: That's, it's been that long? Dude,
1: it's been that long. Whoa. But when I moved here, uh, like rush hour began uh, at, at like, you know, 4.30. Now it's like 3.30. It's 2.45, you know what I mean? Like on a Friday. Yeah, people are trying to game the system a little. I hate people. Yeah, they're the worst.
0: Um... Yeah, well, I I told you about this back in the, you know, it's not interesting. But so it sounds to me like Austin is experiencing uh, growth problems, that there's just a lot of people moving to Austin and the the infrastructure is just not there. And I don't know if you heard this or or read that transcript, but it sounds like they're trying like not one thing, not two things, but they're trying like three or four different things to try and fix this.
1: Yeah, they're trying a whole bunch of different things.
0: 85 miles an hour is a lot of
1: miles per hour. Oh, dude, it feels great, though. You put the pedal down, and you don't even look at the speedometer anymore. It's in German. uh, You can't read it. Who wants to read it? That's right. So what?
0: Anyway, it's been a good week, and congratulations on 150 episodes. Congratulations to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. I don't really have – I had an idea for a topic, and I've got a little bit of fake follow-up. Um... Did, oh, boy, If I got some... I don't, I don't know. Did you look at the uh, at the show notes?
1: I'm looking at them right now. I Dan, re- Dan,
0: Dan, can I ask you a question? If somebody wanted to find show notes for your sesquicentennial, uh, sesquicentennial uh, episode of Back <laughs> to Work, w- where would they go to find those?
1: 5by5.tv uh, five five slash B as in brothers, 2 as in the, how many of us there are, and W as in the wild times we've had. Oh, man. Slash... I promised myself I wouldn't cry. I know. Slash... One, right,
0: 150.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the show notes. And I made some uh, CMS changes.
0: I saw I can I can uh, purge. You wrote, you wrote a great uh, tech note on how to purge MP3. Do you it like was very that? Well done. It was fantastic. <laughs> very, you're good at that. You're a good writer.
1: Well, thank you. I have a degree. Yeah. Hmm. Unused. Hmm. I know. <laughs> and you switched so, from RTV before you worked at the CELAC. That's right. That sounds like c
0: Lac. What's it called? It sounds like I know it's about phones, but it sounds like it's about undersea exploration, which sounds so much more fun, right?
1: Yeah. Well, there's the there's uh, SeaTac. Isn't SeaTac uh, the Seattle uh, airport? T- Tacoma. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not that. It's a SELEC, which is a competitive local exchange carrier, which is like <laughs> there. It, it's it's a, we, it's a It's a it's a telephone company, which in and of itself sounds weird to say in, in this year, but. It's a tele, it's a little telephone company that just resells other telephone companies services usually for a little bit less money uh and and then handles like the customer support and stuff like that. It's the most lame-brained idea that they, they ever had, but back then we were going to There's, like when uh DSL was brand new mm-hmm. and and the idea that you could get like high-speed internet over a your copper pair going into your, wow, you know, we're going to, we're going to resell this. No one else is doing this. We're going to get the jump on the, the bell companies. And that lasted for like, you know, a year and then they went out of business. Oh man. (laughs) So we had a lot of big batteries. (laughs) Is that right? We had a whole floor of just batteries. Were they hot? I mean, they, they were attractive once they were hot.
0: Once you have a couple drinks, any battery
1: can look good. Yeah. I mean, by the end of the night, yes, they were hot. They call them battery goggles. <laughs> so we had those. We had two generators outside. It was exciting times.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of <laughs> like you were a reseller, which is, which is um, middleman, as they say. Middle, <laughs> you were an electronic middleman. Yeah. yeah. But do you remember that? You remember when you had to pick your long distance service and you have a little card? I remember my mom would give me a card yeah. when I go off to college for like a certain amount of. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I'd like yeah. to make a collect call. We used to have a system because like my family in Philadelphia, we've talked about this. My, we fa- did. my family in Philadelphia w- had the long distance plan. I did not have a long distance plan. So I would call, I would call them and be like, uh, collect, you know, zero, you hit zero and an operator answers, which seems like so boardwalk empire to me. And the operator would be like, hello. And I'm like, I'd like to make a collect call or a person-to-person call. And then they'd, they'd say, from who? Uh, Danny. And they'd say, okay. And then they'd put it through. And then the people on the other line would be like, no, we will not accept. And they'd hang up. And then 30 seconds later, you'd get the call on their long-distance plan.
0: Exactly. Well, isn't it also crazy uh, that you would have the idea – uh, see, imagine explaining to your kid today the idea of a person-to-person call. It's weird. You say, well, isn't every call a person-to-person call? <laughs> right. like, what no. does it mean? It's like Pascal's wager for phones. You go, okay, I'm gonna call, if I call and ask for Bozo the clown, and Bozo's not there, right. then I don't have to pay for the call. <laughs> I guess you could yell your family news, Donna's pregnant, and <laughs> <laughs> try and get something through. I told you, we, we would always ask for a call, and you do a person-to-person collect call and ask for John Klump, and they would know that that would, that would we got home
1: safe because oh, in right. our house... Oh, so you didn't even have a phone call, and that was just a way to, like, the eagle has landed.
0: The eagle has landed, that's right. <laughs>
1: so here's the god wicked, forbid
0: wicked... god forbid john clump would actually be there because <laughs> in my family it was like a bris having a long distance call it was a really really big event <laughs> you'd right. prepare ahead you'd, you'd send letters to be in a certain place at a certain time because it was if you and of course you'd wait till like like a gentleman you wait until sunday at five when when the when the price went down did you guys do that yeah
1: that's right you well, you that was that was a special time to call I haven't thought about this in years. That sounds completely insane. Now that she can only communicate
0: at certain times a day because of what it costs We're using that's a phone. Really weird,
1: like the yeah. thing that's supposed to just be on and working all the time. Like, be, well, I can't call you till at, till you know after seven on Sunday. So that's Remember when your family I'll do getting person, mad the about call, the call, long- and that's when you'll you'll call me back.
0: And your family gets mad about the long-distance bill. It's like today, like, oh, my God. Anyway, you were looking something
1: up. Uh, Well, here's Wikipedia, which we know is correct. A person-to-person call is an operator-assisted call in which the calling party wants to speak to a specific party and not simply to anyone who answers. The caller is not charged for the call unless the requested party can be reached. This method, method was popular when telephone calls were relatively expensive.
0: Yeah, and they cost more. Person to person costs more. You remember in Doctor Strange Love, you remember when Peter Sellers is uh trying to get the uh Keenan Wynn to give him change? He got going to battle with loose change in my pocket. Remember? And he goes, oh, a chunk call. A uh, person to person call. Remember? That it's like It's like from the era of Doctor Strange Love basically. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird and now I just do everything in my power to just Unless it's a pre-scheduled thing, I just don't talk on the phone. I, I've, I've said this before, and of course this makes me sound like that PATH guy or whatever, but I, unless I, know, unless I think the delivery place might call about our order or I know I have a scheduled call from someone, my phone is always set to go to Google Voice automatically. Well, that's handy. Because anybody who, who actually contacts me would know to, to text me or something. I mean anybody who calls me and is mad that I'm not there is living in the Doctor Strange lot times. So. <laughs> right. I would love person to person, that'd be good. Or maybe you have to call and actually give a reason for the call to go through.
1: <laughs> you get
0: a reason to reason call?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I meant to tell you about a little a little uh, Google hack I did. Oh, hack me. This is the tips. We got tips. My hack. So here's what I did. Oh, and I have a Chromecast. That's what we're going to spend oh, the Oh, is time. that the Little Dingus? Yeah, it works with Plex.
0: Oh, actually, I would not mind talking about that. Oh, we can talk about that. See, the Roku RT is 37 bucks right now. Uh, no. Or LT, LT, is that what it is? Whatever, the, the cheap Roku is like 37 bucks right now. Well, then it's why do we need bananas. to talk about a
1: Chromecast?
0: I'm intrigued by the Chromecast. The Chromecast. I, the reason I want to ask you that is, it kind of seems like that's a pretty good solution for traveling.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right. So we'll we'll talk about the Chromecast. Okay. okay. So
0: Google hack. We'll start with your Google hack. My Google, Google hack.
1: My Google hack. Is, so you you just mentioned Google Voice. Um, you must be familiar with it. Uh, I had been on. Singular, and then AT and T, and then the, then I got rid of them in Florida and, and went to Verizon because it was like the only way I could get phone calls. And I've been on Verizon ever since. I've been on Verizon for like like three or four years. And of course, I'm a moron, and I get a brand new iPhone whenever it comes out. And uh, so I had contracts and all this stuff. But I wanted my. Fi- I'm staying here in Austin. I'm 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 staying enjoying my coffee, and I did not want. <laughs> that the the 407 area code anymore i was ready to upgrade to a 512 area code
0: a quick quick, quick sidebar do you like me answer phone calls based on the area code
1: yeah yes i definitely take that and 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 you know what 407 is a dev null for me it's awful and number one number two here in austin we still have seven digit dialing i think so, like, when you would go to tell somebody your phone number, you'd be like, oh, it's 407, and you'd watch them writing it down or typing it in. They're typing it into the, not the area code, they're typing it into the first three-digit block. You know what I'm saying?
0: Because you had still with one area code for all
1: of Austin? Yeah, right now, yeah. Wow. It's cool. I don't know how they have the traffic and then that, but whatever. Uh, I think that's changing. But in the meantime, I, just, I wanted my 512. So... Of course, there's no, you would think that the phone companies would say, yeah, we can port your old number, but we're just, we're going to have it forward and we're going to issue you a new number. Nope, can't do that. They can't have it. And it was so, so I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I will sign up as a brand new customer on the AT&T and I will not port my number. Instead, I will port my number from Verizon to Google Voice. So I'm hmm. keeping my 407 number. I will then once it's on Google Voice, I will have it ring through to the new Austin five one two number. But yet I'm still keeping it. I can still even make outgoing calls on it. I can do all of this cool stuff because it still exists. It's still a real number. Ah, uh,
0: it's like you're masking a domain exactly. almost. Exactly. Yeah.
1: That's good. So I did. I did that, and that does cost. I think it's like a twenty dollars one time fee, and then that is now your Google Voice number. Little little tip for the listeners.
0: That's a really good tip, and also, I mean, I wonder if the God God willing, the decline of fax machines oh. is opening up some numbers because you remember in the nineties, I I think it was fax machines that were certainly contributing to the uh, the dearth of available phones. Oh numbers.
1: gosh, yeah, because everybody needed a second or a third line.
0: Yeah, it's the worst. Um, I, my problem is I get into a loop because I, I give out my Google Voice number, which I have forward to my iPhone. Mm-hmm. But if I have my iPhone, obviously, if I have my iPhone on forwarding, it goes right back to Google Voice. So. Right, yeah, it's a little right. circumlocutor. Hey, uh, Dan. Speaking of phone numbers, uh, did you want to tell me about something you like?
1: I would love to tell you about something I like. It's it's a little uh, brand new uh, upstart uh, company, a pipsqueak company called Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. These guys, the all-in-one platform, they make it easy to create your own website. They give you a free trial. They're giving you 10% off. You just go to squarespace.com, and, uh, and the offer code that I have here is grocery list. Grocery list. Because we grocery were talking list. about groceries and lists and things. So that's the code. Grocery list will get you 10% off. But let me tell you about uh, these. They just added a bunch of new templates on here. And and this is the way that it works. And here's the coolest thing. So I have a couple Squarespace sites. And I had them designed. And I thought, you know, I, it's time for a little uh, refresher. It's time to update things a little. And you can go in there. You can pick a different template. You can switch to preview mode so that just you get to see how your site will look using one of these new templates and you can mess around with it you can change the content you can move everything around you can even change and customize the styles and the way everything works you can add things but it all happens in this secret preview mode and if you don't like it you just you just say okay cancel the preview and get rid of that template and your original site and the site that everyone saw while you were messing around with it didn't change like all of these things have been thought of and it's it they just the more that I use Squarespace and I have been using it a lot recently, the more I like it. And the more impressed I am, you can do something really cool with, with like image galleries So we wanted to do. Uh, we're working on one of the, the advertisement pages and I wanted to have, uh, I wanted to have a way to show the the art for the different shows, you know, like that link up the shows. And -hmm. I thought, well, I can just start dragging in images. And I thought, well, there might be another way. Maybe I can do it with a gallery. You can, you can create a separate gallery. The gallery, you don't, it stays off. So people don't ever see the gallery itself. And then you can embed the gallery and it'll show thumbnails just the way that you want them in a little grid pattern. And I said, well, what if I want to do one for hosts and I want the host's name underneath that? Well, how do I do that? A three line, of CSS, you can inject your own CSS, CSS, if you want three lines of CSS. And now it's showing the names. on it. It's just, there's so much you can do. It's really limitless. And, uh, and this is a platform that I really use. They have really great metrics, uh, the built-in contact forms. You can have the contact forms dump the, first of all, you can have it just email you when somebody, uh, you know, fills out the form, duh, but you can also have it so that it takes the information and puts it into a Google doc automatically for you. Which is amazing. You can have it connect to a MailChimp uh, mailing list behind the scenes. All of this stuff, just stuff that you just want to do when you're making a site, it just does it. You use, uh, you use Squarespace quite may, a bit. May I
0: speak freely, Dan? Go ahead, caller okay thank you uh, first time Roderick um, I do this other podcast called Roderick on the line mm. and I don't have another place to talk about this so I'll just mention here I do the entire thing on Squarespace including hosting the files I think I think it's maybe I forget what the limit is it's something like 30 megs 50 megs it's kind of a running joke on um, accidental tech podcasts like how long the how big the file can be right but really I do the whole thing I just go in I've created I've got a little podcast I created in there and to make something a podcast all you have to do really is add an audio file to it name it how you want I upload it to Squarespace. I use a pod track tracking Earl for it mm-hmm. to, to pop in there. But the whole thing, it, it really does take seconds. And it's all done. I do everything in Markdown so I can get my art uploaded right to Squarespace from there. I don't have to host it somewhere else. It all goes in there. It's just that it's, it really is kind of an, it, it is not kind of, it is an all in one solution for a variety of different kinds of tasks that our listeners would really like. So if you, if you listen to that, if you listen to stuff like uh, ATP or you listen to Roderick on the line, those are, that's, that's totally a Squarespace joint. It's a, it's, it's, it's a great operation. And just one, one more quick hack. What you're, I think one thing you're describing is super cool. Is when you create pages, or I forget the terms, but when you when you I do this a lot, where there will be not only can you like preview your um, uh, template changes in your own little uh, private area, but you can also create areas of your site that are not publicly seen. They will not appear in the navigation, but you can still use those as a collection in right. other places. Which is really great. So you don't want to clutter up. You may not want to clutter up your navigation with tons and tons of pages you don't want people to actually visit. But you can have that. The If you haven't looked at collections in Squarespace 6, really check it out because it's pretty mind-blowing. So you can represent – have a representation of your blog on your homepage and then have it appear the way that you want. It's, it's really super cool and
1: powerful. So go to squarespace.com, and when you sign up, the code you're going to use to get 10% off is the word grocery list, all one word. One word. And uh, we would like to say thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and back to work. Ah, <sighs> follows.
0: Perfect. Done. Done. Grocery list. It's odd. Grocery list. Oh,
1: Grocery do you list. want to hear? You want to hear about this Chromecast, don't you? Yes. All right. So let me tell you about the Chromecast. It's a little. It looks like a USB thumb drive but instead of a USB part it's got a HDMI part and it's you're a big fan of the little verbatim we should put that in the show notes a little verbatim uh USB thumb drives
0: i'm a fan of thumb drives in general that one that one i've had a couple failures on those that were distressing but i i love the universality of USB dinguses so that's why that's why the Chromecast is very appealing the price plus the functionality is very appealing yeah so anyway yeah give them the give them the high level on what this thing is
1: okay, so this is it it's it it's if I were to say oh, look at my USB thumb drive, you'd be like that's the most gargantuan thumb drive I've ever seen uh, because it's not it's it, so it's bigger than an average thumb drive. It has an HDMI and it has a little they don't make a big they don't they never show you this in the pictures but it needs to draw power. And I guess there are some HDMI outputs on TV or inputs on TVs that provide power or something. Most don't, I think. Uh, sorry, John Syracuse. Um, he would correct me on that. So they provide you with a little USB Uh, cable, a very, it's like one of the micro mini type USB cables, but it's like the cable itself is super little thin, little wispy thing. So it's not like a big bulky cable hanging around back there and come to find out my TV here at the, the one we have in the studio, it has a, a USB port on it. I don't know what that's for. Maybe it's for something like this, but it draws power from the USB port that's already in a lot of TVs. So that you don't have to have it going into its little wall wart, which they also give you. So you've got the HDMI thumb drive plugging into the HDMI port. And you've got a tiny little wispy USB cable that goes either into some USB port on the back of your TV or into a wall wart that they provide you with. And it's but an you're,
0: you're kind of you're kind of bearing the lead. Like what? Why is that thing big for a dingus? Because it's got. Like an operating system yeah, it's and got entertainment. A, it's, an, it's like a Roku on a USB kind of.
1: Yeah, in a way, whereas the, the, the traditional thing that we have, the, the, the paradigm that we're used to dealing with is you have a set-top box of some kind, Apple TV, Roku, cable box, Xbox, whatever, and this thing sits by your TV, and it plugs into your TV, and then you have a remote control that you use with it, and it presents a display up on the TV that you can navigate through. And do things with interacting with its remote. This is not how the Chromecast works. The Chromecast is simply like a, almost like a, a receiver of instructions on what to stream. So you can. There is no remote with it. When you first uh, you first plug it in, you have to use an app either on your phone, Android or, or iOS, or on your computer that that to sort of set it up so it has its own little mini wi-fi network that you connect to you set it up and it then joins your regular wi-fi network if you oh, have that's
0: what one. my that's what my wemo switches do
1: okay cool that's right it's so a similar concept to those and uh and then instead of having like a remote and you navigate through the chromecast interface it's more like a receiver where you kind of tell it okay I want you to display this content from HBO go or from Netflix or from YouTube or Pandora or this window I have open in Chrome or Plex, um, which you need a Plex pass for to make it work. I found out. But, uh, so like you can have a, a, and and you basically do that by adding a little browser extension into Chrome or having the app on, uh, on your phone and then a little Chromecast it for apps that support it like Netflix. It'll have a little Chromecast, uh, button which is similar to an airplay button that you tap and then it send this to chromecast and you do but instead of it coming from your phone so it's not like your iphone is talking to netflix and restreaming that to the chromecast the way that airplay works you're kind of handing it off to the chromecast and the chromecast then says oh i get it you want me to stream this this uh you know this movie from netflix i'm gonna do that and then you can like Make sure that it was not messing with me. I turned my phone off while it was doing this and it's kept going. So it's, it's more like you're giving in instructions with your device, but you can also do things like open a Chrome tab up and have it show up on the TV that's, that's there. So it's a cool way to share things in meetings. That's the Chromecast for 35 bucks. That's pretty crazy. Have you tried it on the road? Like taking it with me uh, to a hotel, I would absolutely bring this thing with me instead of an Apple TV or anything like that.
0: Well, yeah. I know it's antithetical to the way that hotels operate and make money, or you know, wherever for that matter, Airbnb or whatever. I guess I don't know. I don't. I don't know how people operate. But but it. But it's frustrating to me to like be stuck in a hotel room and I, if I want to just amuse myself for two hours. I, uh, I you know I don't want to spend $16 on a movie. It would be great to just have Netflix in some way – like you know that really clever way the Roku – I think this is so clever because um, Roku – the Roku knows that it's kind of a pain in the butt to use the dingus to enter in passwords and stuff like that. Right. So you can basically authorize your Roku on some of the channels. So you it'll you say, okay, I'll f- flip on Roku and I want to authorize for Amazon Prime streaming. And it gives you a URL that you go to, you enter in your credentials, and I guess that, you know, not handshakes, but you know what I mean. It says, okay, okie doke, like right. we know that this is okay to, to stream from this thing. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more stuff like that that you could use easily on the road. Part of the problem is you don't know what kind of um, monitor, display, TV, you don't know what, what kind of inputs that's going to have. But – and actually, I would not at all be surprised to see a day come where they basically don't let you do anything into a TV. I, I would not be surprised if they eventually, to the extent possible, like disabled things like HDMI so that you would have to use their their stuff, right. just because that's the way the thinking works in a system like that. But that would be great. I mean, I've been tempted to take the Roku sometimes. We talked about this. I, you know, I don't want to be that guy that's always dragging too much stuff around. If Plex existed, and I'm not saying it does, one solution now <laughs> is to sync things to a device on Plex because it's really easy to do, just to just go into Plex and say, sync this to my iPad, sync this. In the, These days now you can sync things to Dropbox. That's cool, but you still, you know, it, it would be nice to be able to watch it on a big screen. I think the Roku's amazing. I mean it's it's not super pretty, but it is um, it's my go to for doing a lot of stuff. Um, I guess I guess I'd rather watch Netflix on the Apple T V. But for a hundred bucks, boy, talk about Christmas Guide. That that whatever I've got, Roku three, Roku H D, whatever it's called, the latest Roku. For a hundred bucks, it's crazy what that thing will do. Oh yeah. Do you still use yours? You were real you were crazy oh, about it we when you use, first got yeah, it. Yeah,
1: we use we use it like crazy, especially with, you know, something like, like Plex, if that was real, I would use it with that a lot. And, yep. you know, so I've got a I've got a Roku here at the office, and I... No, wait a minute. I We've got the Chromecast here at the office, and I've got the two Rokus now in my house because uh, grown-ups don't always want to watch Despicable Me 2 that many times. So <laughs> there's a separate... There's a separation.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um... I I think it's I think it's I think it's amazing, and I mean, so if you've never used a Roku and you have an Apple TV, it, it'll be very familiar. It's just that there's this entire like enormous collection of the easiest way is just go into Roku and pick like popular channels, and you'll find all your HBO Go's and your Netflix and all of that. Then there's many more channels that you can get that have things like uh, my gosh, what are the kinds of things you can get on there? Really, you can get like a Jonathan Colton station. You can get if if you can think of it, there's probably a channel for it. But then even further beyond that. Um, and this is where you start to realize the kinds of perhaps welcome, but still limitations of the Apple ecosystem is you can have these sort of ad hoc channels that you can go in and install. It's a little more of a pain in the butt, but there's people out there doing some pretty wackadoodle stuff with Roku channels. Um, I haven't spent a huge amount of time with it because it's real ugly and not super stable all the time. But anyway, it's an, it's an amazing device. It's just, it, all it is is a box of stream stuff, but it's really smart about it. And it's, you know... I think it could be a little bit prettier, but it works fine. You know,
1: there are the, if there, if there were a Plex app or if Plex existed, <laughs> easy text, <laughs> uh, then uh, I would, I would say that the, the user interface for that could be better.
0: I think what it is, I, I, I probably – I got at this once before and I'm probably getting some of this wrong. But you can tell there's a pretty basic SDK that developers use. There are certain views in the same way that when you first saw iPhone apps, they all kind of look the same with you know the table view or the whatever view. And so you can see like, OK, this is the – like for example, the way that you do um, Amazon browsing where you right arrow – through seasons and then go down to drill into the season it's it's kind of wonky i get the feeling there's like three four five different views that are easy to utilize when you're developing for the right, roku right so and then and the, the ironic part is of course when people do go off the reservation a little bit and get a little creative with the roku sometimes it's really funky looking do you like the do you like the redo of netflix the
1: mm-hmm. way they've redone netflix Sorry. i don't like mm-hmm.
0: it i i kind of i think it's i don't know it gets to our theoretical topic. It's like, I feel like I'm never done with Netflix. I feel like there's just always more stuff I'm supposed to look at. There's never any sense of like, okay, I'm done with this task now. There's always more things they want me to scroll through. Do you
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, but that's what they want. They want you to spend your whole life on that thing.
0: I'll tell you one tip in all of these things. If you use any of these streaming dinguses, one thing I will really recommend is getting the remote app. If you're on, in my case on iOS, get the remote app for all of those things and use it. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, this is, this is like Hawkeye or Saga or, you know, adventure time where we, there are so many of you already know this, but that's okay. You know, as quickly as you can introduce your iOS device into the use of your Apple TV, especially during setup, because you just cannot believe the difference, um, I don't, I'm sorry to be that guy at Christmas, but my Apple TV is just slower than dog dirt at doing almost everything. It's bananas how slow it is, especially if I go into the music area and I want to go search in the iTunes Match stuff to find something. Like, my daughter went here to Jackson 5's, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Of course. And, and it took... Have you ever done that? Do you ever go into your iTunes Match and try to find something? I don't. Maybe it's just me, um, but it takes forever. But it's really nice to do it with the phone in my case, or the iPad, because then it's really cool. Like when, when the keyboard pops up, your phone buzzes right. to let you know you can now input stuff with the keyboard, and it is so much faster than using the little arrow thing. And there are, there are still people who don't know you can do that. There, there are, I bet there's still people who don't know you can use a Bluetooth keyboard with your Apple TV. And that's, that's really, when you're doing setup, that is such a game changer.
1: They've got the thing now where you can tap your phone... Did you know? Oh, this? I heard
0: about this. I heard about that. I haven't done it, but I've heard about. It. Tell well, me the, how this works. The,
1: I, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't done it, uh, but uh, my understanding is that the uh, the like so f- when you're setting up, I think it's an I don't know if it's the airport tube, but I'm pretty sure it's the Apple TV. You have the Apple TV, you plug it in, and then uh, you run the remote app on your phone, and you tap your phone to the Apple TV, and it initiates the setup. Like that's all you have to do to make them talk to each other. Hmm. Something like that. Am I making this up?
0: I've heard of things like that, but it would only be the iOS device that was recognizing the tap. And why would it need to be the Apple TV? (sighs)
1: That's weird. I think it's true, um, though.
0: You know that paper app where you draw on your iPad? Oh, yeah. We're big fans of that. And I bought their their pencil. I bought the paper pencil. Um, It's just pretty cool. It's it's a big, it looks like a carpenter's pencil. And it's got a rubber tip, kind of like a a stylus, like a, um, what's the Studio Neat one called? Um, you know the one I mean, the big giant crayon-looking thing that you draw with on your phone. The, what's uh, the Cosmonaut. I think that's right. It's kind of like that. In that it, but, it, you know, it looks like a pencil. I think it might actually be made of walnut. But anyway, you you, you draw in paper with, with it like you would normally with a stylus. But what's cool is it's got a little button and when you click with the pencil it's called pencil i know that sounds silly when you click pencil on that thing it it syncs it up with your bluetooth via bluetooth so that you can then flip it around and use the eraser on the other side to erase when you're writing in paper
1: does that make sense yeah that's cute
0: it's really fun if you push down pretty hard with the pencil it makes the line for whatever tool you have selected but if you press lightly it smudges it so you can do kind of like a more sketchy look it's a pretty it's a pretty neat device I got stuff super interesting. Boy, this is is this what people tune in for, Dan?
1: This is, yeah. Um, what do you mean it? What do you what you sent me a topic that you you were thinking about.
0: Yeah, I should find this on the uh on the on the Twitter. Somebody wrote to say that they thought that there would be dog buns. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Uh, idea for a back to work. Oh, this is, uh, uh forgive me. I, this, his name might be Polish. Jacob Swydek Swy- underscore painstaking. Cool name. Says, uh, Hot Dogs Ladies, uh, back to work topic idea. What is enough regarding professional life? I live in constant fear that I'm not doing enough. And I, I, I thank you, first of all, Jacob or Jakob, however you pronounce it. Thank you very much for, uh, for sending us that. Um, and I've been thinking about that topic. Because, kind of related to the whole holidays and feeling overwhelmed thing, and also I'm just the whole idea of the of enough is very appealing to me, you know, Mm -hmm. as as just a general topic. So I thought that might be something we could talk about. Got a couple angles on that.
1: Let me hear them. Well, before we do that, did you want to tell me about something you like? Oh, you're talking about HostGator, the premier web hosting provider. See, if you're yeah, looking the to start premier a website, web Merlin, yeah. Yeah. you want to start a website, right? I want to start a website, right. And it might not be the kind of site that you'd go to. We talked about Squarespace before. It might, It might not be something like that. You might want to write your own code. You might want to deploy your own site. You might want to have a special place where you go to, I don't know, upload files so that you can. I'm not talking about the illegal stuff. Merlin, why do you always go there? I'm talking about wow. legit stuff. I'm saying, huh. what if you have photos that you want your, to share with your friends? What if you've got tons of you know code that you need a place to put it out there and test and develop and deploy your own servers? What if you need a dedicated server? What if you're like Marco and you want your own dedicated servers? There's nothing that does that. There is no way to do that. Actually, <laughs> there is. You can go to HostGator. They've got VPSs. They, yeah they've got vpss they've got uh, dedicated servers and they have regular old let's say you want to learn how to how to uh, do bash shell scripting you want a Linux uh, prompt you want an old school shared server because you just want to you know get in there write some code deploy some stuff or maybe you're like me and you still do even we, even with all the great services that are out there sometimes it just makes more sense to code your own site that's fine Hostgator is going to take care of you what if you're one of these uh, Jim Dalrymples of the world and you want to you, you want to host with WordPress. That's fine. They've got one click installs for all of your favorite stuff, whether it's WordPress or anything else. They've got control panel, C panel stuff. So you never need to touch a command line. Or if you're like me and you only want to use a command line, it's yours. It's there. I actually did an experiment with this recently. Uh, they, you know, I, I'm, I'm a HostGator customer. And I have a, uh, what I, you know, we've got tons of stuff with the five by five infrastructure. And I said, you know, I really want to set up like a, a really good redundant system. So I, I, I have a server, VPS server on Hostgator and I have it set up now so that there's automatic file syncing. There's database backup and there's everything. So that if I needed to in a, in a situation, if there was a situation, I could essentially flip a switch and uh, and and switch everything over to my server on HostGator now. And I did all of that you know, on the command line. It took no time because I know what I'm doing on Unix. But the thing is, they're so fast and they have no limit on bandwidth and there's no limit on disk. And you're going to get 30% off everything you do. The code to use is back to work, all spelled out, at HostGator.com. But they do tons of stuff, not just hosting. They do SSL certificates. They do tons and tons of stuff. So go check them out. HostGator.com. Thanks very much to HostGator. Code back to work for supporting 5x5 and back to work. Very well done.
0: I am persuaded. How you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I want to hear what you mean when you say enough. Like enough is enough. Serenity now. Hmm. Like that?
0: Yeah. So the way that he phrased it, let me find that again. I should write these things down. What is enough regarding professional life? I live in constant fear that I'm not doing enough. Well, let's take it at face value. I think that's a pretty common thing to feel like you're not doing enough in your work, in your professional life, that you're not um, accomplishing enough, you're not achieving (laughs) enough, uh, that you're not an urban achiever, that you are not um, living up to your potential, you're not learning enough new stuff. I mean – I think it's pretty common for for us to have a, a, this gnawing sense that, yeah, we're not doing enough there's just way more stuff out there that and, and then I guess the corollary to that is but thats that, that that is all stuff that we kind of should be doing, or we should constantly be evaluating which we
1: should what, what we should be doing more of
0: am I not, am I answering the question Yes yes. Does doesn't that seem kind of common for people? Yeah, I felt that.
1: I think you. Well, you were even talking about it with Netflix before. It's it's everywhere. It's like that pervasive feeling of I could be doing more. I should be doing more. I didn't do enough here, and it it almost. I don't know why though. We feel that way. It's almost like I don't know if it's the barrage of of. You know, people always say, like, what about the simpler times when people used to spend Sunday afternoons going on a drive or sitting on their porch and just talking? It's like now, like, no, there's more I need to be doing. Like, I don't have the luxury or you you feel uh, of, of just not doing these things that I'm supposed to be doing. There's always more to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there was an article. Let me see if I can find this on my paper. I think it was on the Verge. I want to say, but it was an article about the uh, you know, have we reached the peak of the? Uh, uh, gosh, I'm sorry to misquote it. Have we reached the peak of uh, the time of uh, the stream? Like in the last like four years, this 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 constant stream of information has become how we get stuff. And specifically, the sort of the idea of like a Facebook timeline or a Twitter timeline, and this idea that there is this imperative to st- sort of stay up to date, if not stay up to date, at least check in enough that you know that as of the last time you checked in, you, you are up to date mm-hmm. on, on what's out there. And But then also kind of understanding and half accepting the idea that all the time that you're not looking at it, there's stuff going by and gosh, is that stuff that I need to know about? Is that stuff I should know about? Um, not so different, again, from your inbox and the idea that if you're not looking at it, you know, It's like Heisenberg's Uncertainty Inbox. You're sitting there wondering like, what could be in there that I might need to know about. So I mean that's, that's the other part of it I think is – and I think again also this relates to what we we're talking about a week or so ago about people feeling like everybody knows more than you. I think there's so many ample opportunities to realize what you don't know yet that it can be really overwhelming in the way that those porch swing days did not make us feel that way. You know, you could get, I mean, when I was a kid, there was a couple of papers a day. You could buy the morning paper and the evening paper. You could read several newspapers. But, you know, once you read the parts that you wanted to read, you put it down and you were done. It wasn't like the paper was going to pop up in your face again.
1: <laughs> right, with more stuff.
0: Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to believe what psychiatrists say about these six celebrity butts. The five but strangest cookies done. you'll see today, you it, know, It's whatever. like
1: you're never done. That's the thing is like you can't – like the concept of the newspaper was that you would sit down, you'd read the newspaper, and at some point you'd be done. Mm -hmm. I'm done. I've read the parts of the newspaper that were interesting to me. I'm done with that now. But I can't ever – as a guy who likes to read the news, I'm never done reading the news. Like, oh, I might be done reading the very latest things that Jim has posted on the loop, but – I'm going to check Mac rumors or 95 Mac or, you know, daring fireball or whatever to just see if there's something else that came out. Oh. And then there's, you know, there's the verge too. And eh, I should look at Mashable and Oh, in the time that I looked at those Jim has posted something new. Like it's never done.
0: Right. It's not, it's not, but it's also, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a thought leader or anything, but the, uh, (laughs) you know I'm a thought leader? I, I,
1: I didn't, I did know that. I heard
0: you're a thought leader. I am.
1: That's my, uh, it's my position.
0: Well, if you'll permit me, Dan, I'd like to lead with my thoughts for just a moment. All right, Colin. I would like to tell you about a new concept. It's called flocked up and it is, no, (laughs) he, um, that was a funny talk. Um, the, 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 the irony of this in some ways is that. Well, not the irony. First of all, the reality is that that has changed because of the way that people consume stuff. Setting aside, you know, how much a given person wants to drink from the fire hose, um, there was a time when a production schedule, time was, the production schedule meant we put out the afternoon paper and then it's done. Maybe you'll have like a late edition that's got changes to it, whatever. But the point is, I mean, that's the way, you know, publishing worked was that you would kind of stamp out this, this thing. You produce it, and then you make another one tomorrow. And um, to just really state the super obvious, that has vastly changed today. Partly because, I mean, it really is a twenty-four hour news cycle, but it's also a twenty-four hour planet. There's always Jim's talked about this uh, with the loop. I think he's hired people in whatever Australia or whatever to go out and you know have stuff that's published at a time when he's sleeping. Right. That's how it works because there's somebody somewhere that wants that wants news right now. And I don't want to go too far into this from just a social media news standpoint because that's a whole other show and something I've ranted about a lot. But you know, yeah, let's 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 take it as read that you know the ability for people to produce stuff is always going to far outpace your ability to be aware of it, let alone read it, let alone digest it, right? Let alone understand it, let alone really sit with it for a while and decide what it really means. It's that last one that kind of is a BMI bonnet. I mean, at this point, I'm so glad that Paul does not charge by the Twitter mute because uh, I would would not have a nickel to my name based on how much stuff I will just mute for a week Mm. because suddenly something becomes – I'm not going to go off on my ramp. I'm just going to say this is the way the cycle works. People get heavily engaged with something for a little while. There's a story that gets out there for a while. Everybody talks about it for a while. I never thought I would be typing Shia LeBeouf with my hands, but I've done that now. Yeah. So apparently Shia LeBeouf did something. Uh huh. And my, my my question to everyone out there is, how much will you care about this in a few days? Because you sure seem to care about it a lot. By the way, did we ever fix that thing in Iran where we changed the color of our icons? Did we? Was that ever settled? Did we get that fixed? Did we fix Iran? Oh no, spoilers! Boy, you don't want to get hanged in Iran. No, you're you done.
1: Oh my goodness um it's a good thing she brought um, that magic marker though
0: oh my god he
1: deserved that
0: dan mother effing benjamin will you please remind me to have some rage about that in the after dark okay my lady and i watched last night
1: yeah i watched it last night too
0: because i saw the 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 huge amount of spoilers coming down and oh my god i want to talk about that i've never been so angry in my life okay so anyway uh enough um these come these come from a similar place whether that's your inbox whether that's your professional life whether that's your social media life we don't like feeling left out of stuff and we don't like feeling like there's something like there's something happening that we, we we should know about but also just in our personal life I think it's it's a it's a crummy feeling to feel out of the loop about stuff and when it comes to personal and professional life it's crummy to feel like you're inadequate that's that's kind of the consequence of that feeling of not getting enough is an inadequacy. Like I should be making more money. I should be doing more stuff. My gosh, I should be so much further along in life than I am right now. I haven't got enough of that thing. So, and, and, and the angle for this, this time of year, I I was very tempted to suggest that we do a show about feeling overbooked in the holidays because uh, certainly it, it relates to the rest of the stuff we talk about. But I think it's a time of year. And we talked about this a little bit on, on yesterday's uh, Roderick on the line, but I think one feeling of Christmas time and one feeling of the holidays is, is a really inexorable sadness or melancholy mm. about loss. I think that's something that most people kind of know, but don't like to talk about because you seem like a karma suck. But I think it's a time of year when we, we notice a lot of stuff that there's not enough of whether that's, money or love or connection or relatives that are dead there's a real feeling even in this time of plenty and christmas sweaters there's still this real feeling of privation when you're expected to be really upbeat and happy and festive and in the spirit and jingle jangle jingle horse pick up your feet or whatever right. like <laughs> um so yeah i want to talk about enough um, i'm gonna skip Skip the minimalism angle because that's that's bifurcating and I don't want to I don't want to stir the pot. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I've realized about the idea of enough. I, I'd love to talk about this more because it I, I think there's a lot to this. Um, that feeling of not having enough is ultimately extremely personal. We're the only ones who can have a feeling about that the world can do anything that it chooses to. The world being that that a giant collection of billions and billions of people who don't know you exist. They could be out there trying to make you feel bad because you don't have enough money, that you don't have enough skills. Probably they don't care. They don't really know you exist. That's that's kind of the irony is that it is really us, it is we who are deciding to feel bad about have, not having enough of anything. And there's a, a, a the basic problem with that feeling well, I guess the basic problem is it can, it can and probably will never go away. If if that is a problem that you have, you will never have enough of anything. Uh, specifically with regard to things like your work, I I have a feeling there probably aren't that many people that spend a brief time in their early to mid career feeling like they're not doing enough. And then feel fixed after that for the rest of their life. I've got a feeling people who worry about privation and not having or doing enough probably feel that way like a lot of the time. I mean, you could be a humanitarian who feels like you're not saving enough lives, you know? You could feel like you're a physician, you know, who's not, not, not saving enough people. Mm -hmm. That you could feel like you're an evangelist who's not saving enough souls. You could feel like a financier who's not saving enough money. There's something out there that like, Look at how many people become extremely successful, make all the money in the world, but are still incredibly driven by something. There's something in them that makes them want to keep going out there and, and you know, making rockets or, uh, you know, making octocopters or whatever it is or self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of lunacy that everybody has, uh, these, these crazy entrepreneurs have. They never have enough. If they – at least in terms of the money stuff or in terms of the – there's something in them that's still not full. There's some hole like a chronic hole that cannot be filled mm. so uh can we accept that that is well, give me your thoughts on this, does that sound right?
1: No, it does sound right, and I think that it well you're you're getting to i feel like you're getting to a bigger a bigger subject here, but this is this is like a societal thing, isn't it? I mean isn't this a con, all of sort of a bigger construct? Does that make sense?
0: I think it's something that a lot of people would like to feel not alone about, yeah. And it's sort of like not not being pegged as the the one who farted. I think everybody wants to feel like they're not the worst person in the room, pretty much all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like there's, and that's the whole genesis of reality TV, right? Like, well, at least we're not as bad as off as they are, right?
0: Societal, yeah, yeah. But see, here's here's one thing that is worth teasing out. Um, you know, we talk about things like. The pressure to feel up, the pressure to be up to date, the pressure that we feel like, do you know anybody who loves Facebook right now? I mean, in the sense of, do you know, I mean, do you have that many friends that really look forward to using Facebook in particular, in particular? Do you know that, how many people would use Facebook if they could only read things? I bet there are people out there who do that. I think what most people look forward to is saying things on Facebook. I, I, I increasingly, my sense is that a lot of people, including teenagers, feel more and more a sense of obligation to do this because of the the pressure to use that as the place. It's like the nexus of of human interaction, right? You've got to be, you've got. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, be uh, melodramatic or shoot fish in a barrel. But I, I've heard a lot of people say this that. They don't love using Facebook anymore. It's not fun for them. They no, they don't like the way that they feel like their privacy is is not being treated uh in a grown-up way, but they also don't they're not looking forward. It's a grudging kind of thing. It's like taking out the trash at this point. Like I I know it's something I've got to do. I don't love it, but I realize it's, you know. Right if I want to participate in human intercourse, like I've got to go be doing this on a regular basis. Otherwise I'm not going to get invited to parties. If I don't fave this person's photos enough on Instagram, they're not going to, they're not going to think I'm their friend. Right. They're like, you're
1: offending them. Yeah,
0: Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of pressure to do that, but whenever there's a complicated problem that seems impossible, I think it's useful to figure out the real actual place of people in that. Now, in that case, in that sense of enough, I, I can never, I don't want all of the information. I, you may be thinking like, I don't really, I'm, this isn't fun for me. I don't like having to do this. I don't like having to go star everybody's baby videos. It's not fun anymore, but you, you feel like you can't do it. Uh, you can't not do it, but it's worth looking at where that pressure comes from. That's a system that you've decided to, to buy into. I know, I know, I know. It's like not showing up for Christmas dinner or something to not, to not go and do that. But I think it's really you have to snap yourself out of the sense of where that not enough is coming from. Because I'll bet you nine times out of ten, it is really coming from you. And you and I have both talked about this perceived feeling of like what other people think of you about, you know, like at work or whatever. Like are, are do people respect what I do? Do you know, do I am I am I living up to other people's expectations of what I'm doing? And to me, after all that rambling, this is hopefully where it gets kind of interesting. Understand that. Whether you like it or not, there are always going to be people out there that have those expectations of you, and then ultimately you're going to have to be the one who decides what parts of that are okay. And if it's not helping you to feel bad about not keeping up with everything or about not having everything, and well, then you kind of have to ask yourself, like, well, then what? What's a salutary change here? Is feeling worse about that going to help me make more money? Is feeling more emotional pressure, like to? <laughs> To, to, to not, as David Sparks say to not get on the floor and play Legos with my kids, but instead to go over here and pretend to be interested in these relationships that I have all this pressure about. Well, this, the sad part, of course, is that that ultimately does come down to you. But it's also that that big mass of people that you feel all that theoretical pressure from. Those are really just individual people out doing their own thing. The, the, the simplicity and the complexity of that is that those are people. The complex part is there's no way you can ever know what all of those people expect of, of you. The simple part of it is they, they probably don't actually care that much. They, 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 if, if it really matters to you to stay in touch with somebody, pick up the phone That's or, 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 or similar. Uh, if you feel like you're getting a lot of pressure from somebody because you're not – now I am talking about social media here. But mm-hmm. if you feel like you're getting a lot of pressure with somebody, that you're not interacting with them enough online, maybe it's time to address that face-to-face because if you have an actual friendship with that person the, the this this whole flimsy strawman friendship you have on the internet should survive just fine if you have an actual discussion with them that, but it, but nobody takes that seriously instead they walk around just feeling crummy all the time now as far as the stuff about like am i what am i making enough money am i doing enough with my career all of that enough i've got a kind of crazy point of view on that which is that um sometimes the way that we think about I I'll speak for myself. Sometimes the way I think about these things is really, really self-involved. And of course the irony there is that you feel like it's the opposite of self-involvement. Worrying about what where you fit into the world feels like a very big-hearted thing because you're supposed to figure out, like, oh, should I be helping people more? Should I be doing more? Should I be should I be a better mentor to the people that work for me? Should I be doing more for my spouse or partner or family. Mm. And I think one of the problems is it, you could ruminate about that forever without ever actually doing anything about any of it. And in that sense, that is one of the most self-involved things you can do. (laughs) He said, knowing he's terrible at it. Uh, if you don't actually do something about all of those things but just keep feeling worse and worse about it, that creates a kind of really terrible and potentially intractable procrastination. You can dig yourself into a very deep hole just being one person with one shovel. You can go very, very, very deep. And nobody ever even needs to know what like a lonely and disassociated person you are, but you feel like obsessing over that privation is, is somehow making you like a better person or something. So I think one way to feel better about the whole idea of enough is to get your head out of your ass. And when you're worried about whether you're doing enough of something, stop making it about you and make it about somebody else. This is a really simple one. Rather than like me trying to plan like the greatest daddy-daughter day ever, why don't I set that plan aside and just go over and hang out and get under the table and play Doctor Who right now? Because that would actually be pretty fun to her. Hmm. She might see a very, very, very large pile of plans about what I want to do to do enough. But what would really matter to her was spending some time with her not looking at my phone. Right. That That's a pretty valuable way to get more of enough. When you worry about things like money, money's complicated and boring to talk about. But when you, all I will say is you'll never have enough money. You'll, you'll never feel like you have enough money. I, you know what, I can't even get, get into that. In terms of the professional stuff, think about, if you're thinking about, like, could you be a better mentor? Well, why don't you go ask people that you work with what there isn't enough of. Because isn't it strangely self-involved the way that we come up with this mental model of how the world's put together without ever asking anybody to their face what they think about mm-hmm. it? Right. It's so strange to me. So like you know, there's a, a friend of mine that I talked to, I wouldn't say a coaching client, he's a friend of mine that we talked to. And we talked about this a lot. It's like it's amazing how often we, in discussing things about work work and you know being in a professional environment, how often the answer to any problem around enough or around almost anything else involves going and asking somebody what they want. It's, it's really, it's, it's pretty tremendous what you can accomplish with just one person at a time. Now you don't fix the whole world with that, but like just kind of giving yourself, not even just permission, but kind of making yourself get your head out of your butt long enough to go interact with somebody else. Can give you um, a strange amount of calm and can actually improve a situation a lot. I'm not coming up with great examples of this, but it just seems like a lot of times there's something very lonely and inward turning about these kinds of privations and really something almost kind of shameful where you feel like if you didn't understand somebody's joke on social media, like you're a dope and now you're mad. Or you didn't, or somebody else you see, you know, it becomes some, almost like something from the Old Testament where like you feel like somebody else has given more money to this charity and therefore you should do more and then talk about it. Mm-hmm. But that's really weirdly depersonalizing. So I don't know, I don't have any, I don't have a, like a big answer, but like I guess I feel like there's so many things I've run into that I've tried to fix a problem in my life in the last year or so. And, the, and some of the best success that I've had has been by trying to stop just thinking about it in my own head and from my own point of view. Mm-hmm. Like what does somebody else want out of this? And, and not even in a conniving way, but in just purely in like a human motivation way. If your problem is you can't keep up with social media, like why don't you try getting in touch with a few friends? Not all of them, get in touch with a few friends. If you feel like you're not making enough money, ask yourself what you need more money for. Because maybe there's some ways that you could cut expenses or maybe there's some ways, who knows? Um if you want to make things better at the office, you feel like you're not doing enough work. Are you doing enough really good work, or are you just trying to increase your raw tonnage and visibility? Um, and so, just with one nod toward toward my minimalism rant, I think there's a big difference between minimalism and appropriatism. Uh, and I know that's supposed to be the same thing, but the problem with 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 minimalism or obsessing over the idea of enough is that. You can get into this sort of weird inward-turning fetishism about how to simplify things. Well, some things are never going to be simplified. Some sometimes the best thing to do is walk away from a complex system rather than try to simplify it, or to make your make a small um, provisional piece with the complexity of something. And that's why I say appropriatism, because. A lot of the problems with a lot of things around this idea of enough come out of a certain kind of complexity, a complexity of having too many things to do that collide with each other, where like you end up being the project manager for this part of your life that's really difficult to pin down. And I think the problematic part becomes when, when we get too obsessed with the my problem part of it and less with what it is that's actually out there. So baby steps, I guess is what I'm saying. Baby steps in anything where you don't feel like you have enough. Let me just assure you that worrying whether you've read enough is not going to be nearly as useful as turning off your computer and reading a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Professional development, worrying about that and whether you have enough is not going to be nearly as good as going down – sitting down and doing a tutorial to learn a new skill because that has a certain kind of propulsiveness, right? There's – We've we've reached this certain point in life where it's very easy for us to sit around and and and, and yes indeed spend spend weeks months or years with our head up our butt wondering if something should be different. When sometimes you that's it's the lizard brain part of us that thinks that we can think ourselves out of these things rather than really engage. The kid thing's a no brainer. Your kid wants you to play with them and do stuff with them. Yeah. They don't really the, those big plans. I mean, that's all good stuff. But in my case, like that can really get in the way. Or me trying to like I could spend. You know what I, I could spend. <laughs> we wanted to see Frozen, which is really good for the second time this last weekend. Oh, Frozen. And oh it's good. It's good. And um but I, I sat there and, and so Sunday morning, instead of just getting on the train and going downtown, I sat there and wrestled and got mad at Fandango for like twenty minutes. And it was like and I had to stop myself and go, okay, you know what? It's not gonna sell out. Why don't I just stop playing with my phone? And like, go do this thing. And I would actually spend less time giving that person money. But no, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who has an iPhone. So I should use the Fandango and be able to put up my cool little uh, code to get in and stuff like that. Right. Screw that. <laughs> get on the train and go downtown. Go spend some time. You know, that's there's so many problems. The, the bottom line to me, yeah, there's something to be said for simplifying, but there's really something to be said for asking yourself, like, how much am I helping this by making this all about me? There's, there's so many – if there's one big pattern that I would like to look into for my jubilee year of 2014, it's the idea that like I'm really not at the center of anything except the stuff in my head. And I could have much better results in almost everything I do by asking what somebody else would like more from this rather than what, what I should be obsessing about with mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. And as for the holidays, I don't know what to tell you except that you, you, you just got to get through it and make your peace. And remember that it is supposed to be fun. You know, it's like uh, when Fellini was (laughs) shooting eight and a half. This is a famous story that when Fellini was shooting eight and a half, he took a piece of tape and put it by the viewfinder on his camera. And uh, depending on the translation, it said, uh, remember that this film is a comedy he had to keep reminding himself that ultimately it was not supposed to be this morose thing where he just reflected on his life. It was supposed to be a comedy. I guess you could argue about whether he succeeded with that or not, but just whether it's the holidays or whether it's your social media, remember, this is supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to be fun. And if you can't find a way to be kind of lighthearted about it, there might be a better way to do it. Mm. Go a little easier on yourself by not making it all about you. And then don't Try to obsess less about whether you've got everything and then worry more about whether you've got enough to get by for today. Not with everything. Yes, you want to have money, you want to pay bills and all that kind of stuff. That's important. But but you'll never have all of it. And to want to have all of it is the source of a lot of of pain and dukkha. So Merry Christmas. Get your head out of your ass. Yeah, really. <sighs> What's up with that?
1: I really went nowhere. Well, you went, went somewhere. I
0: went somewhere and then it turned –
1: I like when you have a prepared statement that you you read.
0: I didn't. I tried, and I, I didn't even look at my <clears> outline. <throat> I should look at my outline. Um, hmm. You can tell. Can you, tell can you hear that when I'm tapping.
1: It sounds like Morse that? code or something. What is that?
0: that? That that that's me ruminating, trying trying to find this point that I can almost get my head around. Um, I'm just gonna leave it. Get your head out of your ass. I think that's pretty. Good. I like That's that. a good. Isn't that a pretty good sesquicentennial well, message sen- for it's everybody? It's a good send-off. Yeah. Uh, looking at the whole world as this big John clump of stuff, <laughs> to <the> see <laughs> John clump as this big like mass of stuff. You know, maybe maybe what you really need is the equivalent of a person to person call. Maybe that could be talking to somebody about like getting some help with something. But like, I just feel like I, I there's there's so so much pain in life that, that comes out of feeling like crap about something and then thinking that thinking about crap about it more is going to make you better at it. And it's the kind of thing that makes us look down our nose at the people who just go out and run around like crazy hippies and do whatever they feel like. But like, it's, you've got to do something to unstick yourself out of a situation. Um, and I, I feel like there's nothing, there are a few things that we are more meant to feel than out of the loop. Or behind. It's just – it's something that – there's so many people in the world who only benefit from things at the point where you feel out of the loop, where you feel fat or you feel poor or you feel behind or you feel unloved. And it's like that's – that is a big motivation for a lot of businesses and and people's enterprises out there. And, you know, maybe the gift to give yourself this year is to be a little bit easier on yourself about that and to keep in mind that you – what is it you want to keep up with? You know, it's, I don't know. Give yourself a break. I'm done. What do you think, Dan? No, I'm done. I'm I'm seriously, I'm literally (laughs) never going to talk into a mic again.
1: So this is the end, the end, the last episode then. Should we roll the clip, the the clip reel? (laughs) Do we we have the
0: time of your (laughs) life?
1: Yeah. What do you think? I think it, I think there's an element of a, there's a sort of a downer, uh, vibe going on with what you're saying in a way, because it feels like your people are destined to be trapped to this somehow in this.
0: There is just in that. Yeah. Well, there is, there is in that sense of, but I mean, that's what, what needs to be said though, is, is that, you know. It's it's like that. Back to that old analogy of somebody drinking salt water, where if you if you if you're thirsty and you drink salt water, it's just going to make you thirstier until you die. Right. And that feels like the solution, but it's it's really not. And this is all again for our 150th uh, anniversary. Back to episode one. It is a lizard brain thing, where it, it takes a tremendous existential pop to get you out of a certain way of thinking about something. And the thing is, if we've thought about something a certain way for a very, very, very long time, it becomes very comforting. It it becomes almost like, you know, like those old people who are married and hate each other, but they'd be inconsolable if the other person died because they wouldn't have anybody to hate anymore. It's like, there are these feelings that we have about ourselves that without realizing it, it, there's such a loop in our head about how this way that we're supposed to feel about the world, that it feels foreign and fancy to do anything, but bear that burden all the time. And I would hope that the hopeful message is that it really doesn't have to be that way, and the the answer is yeah.
1: What's the answer?
0: Well, the answer is to stop doing that. It's if if you you know my my dad used to tell that old joke all the time. You know, the guy hit himself on the head with a hammer, and he, the guy says, "You know, why do you keep hitting yourself on the head with a hammer?" And he says, "Well, it feels so good when I stop." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. And that's, I think that's kind of how we are. If, yeah. if we have habituated ourselves into being the kind of person who feels perpetually behind and bad, then we're going to only look for instances in our thinking and in our, our cognition of things. We're only going to, we're mostly going to be scanning for things that, that make us continue to feel that way. So, I mean, I, I don't mean this to be like a self help book or something, but, you know, the, the, the way out of that is to realize it does not have to be that way. And, and the, the, the really self-involved part of that is thinking that it has to be that way because some inchoate group of people that you call the world has decided it has to be that way. Well, the world's not responsible for helping you get to sleep at night. No, nobody out there cares. That's all on you. And it's it's just that it's it it's it feels so contradictory and it feels so um, iconoclastic to, to think that we don't have to be party to the make-believe pressures of the world. There are certainly pressures of the world we have to feel, but how do you know if you're even feeling bad about the wrong things? Maybe there's other things you should be feeling bad about, but you've habituated yourself to feeling bad about these certain things that can never be resolved, mm-hmm. and that becomes its own kind of pathetic consolation. And so, I mean, that maybe that's one adventure for 2014, is to decide, decide to be scared of something different or novel. Or the really scary thing might be to... to let go of those fears of stuff that have become consoling because they're so familiar. I don't know. It is, it is, it is kind of a downer, but that's kind of the
1: spirit of the season. Don't you think uh, for most people, I would say yes. Yeah. Especially you know, when it's as hopeless as you're kind of painting it out to be. Yeah. Especially, especially uh, because you well, I mean, if you think about a changing, making a, a, a conscious change in yourself, in your philosophy or in something that's so pervasive, like, Hey, you know the gluten free thing. I was talking mm-hmm. to somebody today, and she was saying, "Well, you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think I can be gluten free because I'm still going to eat pasta. I'm still going to eat pasta." And I said, "Well, okay, you know, like that's, I'm not telling you to be gluten free. I'm just saying, like, you know, you can't be gluten free and eat, and also eat pasta." And she was saying, "You know, I just it's a big part of like what we eat. Like that's what we eat. And you know, when you're." you know when you 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 live with somebody else who eats that kind of food and that's the kind of food that you need to prepare and they're not necessarily on board with what you're doing like that's going to keep you from achieving this thing and and we live in a world that almost rewards us for the kinds of things that you're pointing out now are the things that that are causing us the problems that we have but like you know you know what I'm saying does that make sense like we're this so, is yeah. this is what we are surrounded by so often
0: it, it, yeah, I, 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 I think I know what you're saying, but it's kind of also a problem of overengineering, where uh, it, it's a certain kind of, you know, we would like to think that worrying about what everybody else wants and needs is a kind of care, that that's a way of, of really of making sure that everybody's happy and taken care of, but that can actually be its own form of self-absorption and the beginning of overengineering. And again, this is something I talked to that that friend of mine about is, you know, if if, let's say, for example, you're thinking about introducing a new product uh, for your team to use let me just, okay, you know what? Let me speak in the super abstract and see if this makes more sense. You could be like a really good manager and a really successful manager. And you're somebody who's really moved up inside of the company. And let's say, you know, you're respected by your colleagues Mm -hmm. and you're, you're by by and large, like tolerated by the people who work for you. That's (laughs) all really, really good stuff. And so you have some kind of an initiative where you've heard about, like, let's say a different kind of a CMS or a bug tracking system or something else. And so you know, you're a good manager. And so your approach to that in that instance might be to say, well, I see that, um, uh, one reason we don't have enough time to do anything around here is because we're always futzing around with all this bad bug tracking system and we're having to, we have duplicative work and we have balls that are getting dropped and there aren't enough notifications for people to know when something's a high priority and so on and so forth. And so you might have the system that comes down the lane. Maybe it's, you know, your brother-in-law's company and you go, actually, you know, this would be a really good fit for the company. Now, I think a lot of people, this might be a straw man but i think a lot of people their approach to that would be to start by saying okay so i need to figure out a way to get people excited about this inside the company i need to figure out what the training regime is for this is going to be um, we're going to i need to make sure we've got the resources to cut over from our old janky bug tracking system that's really hard to get rid of that we're dreading dealing with you know your approach through all of that stuff could be I'm finally going to hopefully fix some of these problems, these things I've had difficulty managing, people, people who have not been able to do their job because the software wasn't good. I'm going to make myself and my department look good to the people above us because I'm going to fix all these problems for a you know, fairly reasonable price. And, and that, that, could, that could happen. But like, how would you know that all of your assumptions in that were correct? Jared Spool wrote something last week that I liked a lot talking uh, – he's such a smart guy talking yeah, about is. usability. And in particular, he, he – I'm quoting this way out of context. But he's talking about uh, doing things with user testing and deciding to uh, take a certain approach with um, a web project. And to to mangle his quote, it was something along the lines of you know, and whenever you see a document of requirements, you've seen requirements documents, right? Ugh. You get this thing, and it's like these are all the things that the software needs to do. He says something along the lines of it, it's better to just think of that as a list of assumptions. And a, a light bulb really went off over my head when I read that because that makes so much sense. Because when people make that list of requirements, you start you start going down like this really potentially giant rat hole by assuming that everything on there is true and correct and agreed upon. And you might argue about the requirements and what you maybe should be arguing about is the assumptions. So back to our, back to our manager who's going to implement this bug tracking system or whatever. I'm just amazed how seldom anybody, but especially managers go and talk to the people that they work with and ask them what they need or ask them what they want. Or say, okay, here's your free chance to tell me the one thing about me you really wish was different. (laughs) Um, And so you could be a really great manager and going in there to fix this problem and end up completely focused on the wrong thing. And then it gets emotional Mm. because now you're getting pushback and that pushback becomes about you instead of the software. Because you never really went in and found out what the actual problem is. Well, maybe the actual problem is that you still haven't accepted that the kind of software you're making does not have a place um, in, in the sort of – or the kind of product that you're putting out it doesn't have a place in the, in the economy and you don't have any control over that. Um, it could be that there are, are serious morale problems with having an imbalance of a huge number of people who have been there a long time and don't really care as, long as, as well as a huge number of new people who, who don't really know the culture. There's all these different things that could be lingering behind those problems that you're kind of trying to solve that will only be way worsened by the introduce, introduction of anything new. I, I, so, boy, I'm probably really not making sense now. No, that, that starts in such a good place. That starts with this feeling of like something here needs to get squared away and I need to go in and and go find the, the nail that I know how to hammer. And it would take a really amazing person, a really truly kind of selfless person to be, go in, to be able to go in and really find out what problems they can solve um, given the things that they don't have control over. Versus the things that they do have control over. And then you know, know what kind of approach to take that, that isn't just the familiar one. Um, does that seem really off topic? No, it I don't. Of seems off topic, no, doesn't it?
1: No, I like it.
0: Yeah, I know we need to go. But I, but I want to try and wrap this up with Somewhere Sensible. There's somewhere in all of this is a thread that makes sense in my head. Which is that um, we... We feel all of this pressure about stuff from the world, and that could be the social media stuff, that could be work stuff, that could be personal development stuff, family stuff, any of that stuff. But like, it just seems like a lot of times we don't go out of our way. We become more comfortable feeling like crap about that thing rather than going out and finding out what the actual problem is. Are, is there some illuminating act that would allow you to go out and find out what somebody actually thinks about them? Is there some remarkably small and modest kindness that you could do to, to fix something that seems like a problem? Are, are you willing to go outside of yourself in order to try and fix an actual problem rather than trying to simply ameliorate the way that you feel about it mm. in a way that seems sustainable? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you end up coming up with these Rube Goldberg systems for not having to change you end up you know it's it's almost like well you know if you're nervous about running out of drugs you better do more drugs well if you're if you're feeling bad about <laughs> if you're feeling bad about the way things are going inside the company you can end up digging yourself deeper into this this slough of despond by not disrupting the way that you are approaching the problem and so I guess I come back to what I said before, which is Merry Christmas, get your head out of your ass. Right. <laughs> but um, I don't know.
1: What do you think? Well, I think it's, think it's enough. I think it is enough, finally.
0: <laughs> that was pretty good. I see what you did there. Mm. Can you want to button this up? I love you, Merlin, man. I love you too, Dan Benjamin. Happy holidays.